You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I am one of your hosts, Jason Wheeler. And I'm your other host, Roger Gaddis. And today we have a guest on to enlighten us on the freight side of the grain business. Uh, We got uh, Jared Flynn with Bulk Loads on. Jared, thanks for coming on. Yeah, Roger, Jason, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so... uh, we did a, a interview with, uh, with Jared here recently for his podcast and was able to 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 spill our guts, if you will, on there. So uh, we invited Jared on to to do likewise. And uh, you know, we haven't really had a a logistics themed episode yet. You know, we kind of talk about it here and there, but you know. So anyway, we have an expert on to discuss things, and so everything Jared says, you can take it to your grave. <laughs> So, Jared, uh, to get started here, um, tell tell us a little bit about your uh, little your background, your career, uh, both grain and logistics, and uh, how you found yourself where you're at today. Yeah, well, to kind of set the tone, I uh, I'm doing probably what I thought I'd never be doing. You know, 20, 25 years ago, grew up on a, a small farm in eastern Missouri, um, just outside of St. Louis. But, you know, this is, this is about grain and elevators. Growing up in, on this farm and looking at farmers, like I always said, I don't want to be doing that. The, the, the farmers that I saw out there were struggling. And they were, a lot of them were, were more hobby farmers. You know, they, they had full-time jobs. They were working construction and all that. And I'll say this, it wasn't until I went to college, went to the University of Missouri, studied agriculture, and I started meeting some guys in my fraternity that, that were farming. And they would... Uh, I'd, We'd enter, they'd introduce themselves and I'd say, well, what do you guys do? And they say, well, we farm. And I say, well, what else, what else does your family do? Well, we farm. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do you guys make money? Well, we farm. <laughs> well, so that kind of sparked the journey to, for me to almost say that actually there is money in agriculture and farming and grain specifically. Fast forward a couple of years, I graduated uh, from there and got a job with top 10 grain company, Bartlett Grain in Kansas City. Again, small town farm kid going to big Kansas City. I can still remember interviewing, dressed up, shirt and tie, going to interview, red carpet, and I mean, nervous and um, accepted the job. And at that time, and like most grain companies out there, typically they hire fresh college graduates and, and stick them as logistics guys, truck logistics. So you get hired on and it's kind of that entry level that you go in there. And, you know, if you learn trucks and logistics, then you get kind of moved into that merchandise. And, and we'll get into this probably a lot more, but there's just so much that centers around the freight aspect of it. But what really caught my attention, it was my first or second week on the job. And I feel like I've told this story so many times, but I think it's, it's worth hearing. The vice president of the company comes up to me. It was after a, a morning meeting. He introduces himself to me. And I specifically remember him saying, you know, Jerry, just remember, we're not a grain company. And I said, what? He goes, we're not a grain company. He goes, we're a logistics company that moves grain. 
And that just like, it just stuck in my head. I'm like, what did he mean by that? Cause like this whole time, I, I thought we have all these grain, I mean, these terminals, these elevators. That's what we did. <laughs> but that took me on this journey to really find out how important the logistics was and specifically the truck freight part of the grain business. And everybody probably listening to this podcast knows that. I mean, it all, I mean, the, the truck piece is so critical. But what I found out, and especially at that time, so many people were, for being a very vital part of the business, they were using it as kind of an entry level type position. And I looked at it, I kind of flipped the script upside down. I said, hey, if this is so important, if we really, if we really dove in and studied this and understood it, this could be a lot more profitable for the company. Because a lot of us know this, you know, you know there's, mar- there's small margins made in the grain business, but it's volumes where you make the execution. Well, the more you move, the more money you make. So that's where I kind of start studying, looking at, hey, how, what are these logistics flows? What are these truck flows, especially in the Midwest where our, at that time, facilities were based out of? And start looking and seeing that, my gosh, there's so much opportunity out there. And I'm going to get these numbers a little bit wrong. But at that time, the company, they were buying very, very little FOB grain. So they were letting other resellers, other traders manage the freight. Well, I started looking at it and said, hey, if, if, if you can allow me to manage this, I think we can not only move this freight at a lower cost, being more money that we can make, but I think we move a lot more volumes. And so that's where I kind of started um, handling the freight. And at that time, again, we were doing just a small fraction within a couple of years. I mean, we were moving, I mean, it was, I mean, in excess of 10, 15% FOB. Um, And a lot of it was, I was out there really, I would say bulldogging or pushing these merchandisers saying, Hey, there's trucks here, these flows here. Hey, we see fertilizer moving here. We see this rock job going here, you know, and, but you kind of start seeing this whole picture, this map line up, these trucks moving these flows. And that's where just like, I started having fun with it. And, and it was like, I saw this problem that, that I could fix. And it, it was just super exciting at the time. I, I learned so much. I had a great group of, of merchandisers and senior merchandisers that trusted me um, to, to manage their freight. So that's, that's where I really kind of, I guess, found the love uh, for trucking logistics. I should back up a little bit, even before, right after college, um, I had actually had my class A CDL, drove a truck for a little bit. It was more local scale, but even kind of had that in the back of my head, like knowing, hey, what's, what's it really take to move product from A to B, you know, with a semi truck? And again, a lot of people know it's, it's, it's not that easy, but there's a lot of people like, well, just, you know, you pick up here, you deliver it here. And it's like, there's a lot of other variables that can happen between A to Z. And a lot of people don't realize that. And I think I just knew that even going into it. I could almost relate and, and, uh, I guess be a little more compassionate to to the drivers um, that we were managing with there. So that's really what kind of started my journey uh, to to where we are today. You know, and did you want me to kind of keep going with the whole? If you yeah, want to interject any time, yeah. So yeah, how did how did how did the bulk loads yeah. thing come out of that? Yeah. Well, so at the same time, you know, technology, the smartphone was evolving. Um, we saw that there was, uh, you know, a lot more guys. Yeah. Um, you know, with smartphones handy, using apps. And I just realized, man, if we can utilize technology a lot more to enhance this process. And, you know, today they're still picking up the phone and calling the trucker. But, and you all know this, you go to a lot more, eleva- you go to these elevators, terminals, trading companies, man, it's a lot more quieter today than it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was mm-hmm. in the office. When I was at Bartlett, I was telling, you know, a lot of my workers here, like, 
man, it was phones ringing, noise. I mean, you kind of think of that, you know, Wall Street, I don't know, uh, type mentality. Um, and you maybe see a little bit, but it's not near to what it was back in the day. Well, when technology came into play, I said, hey, we can communicate with truckers, you know, via text messaging, emailing, um, and then even the load board concept where you can actually push information out there to a wide network of carriers and get those bids. And again, people just know, I mean, it's pretty simple math. The more you can advertise or get your information out there to the right people, the better probability that you're going to get it to cover. You know, you can spend so much time picking up the phone, calling, leaving messages or get it out there and let them contact you. So that's where I really saw the need to, to utilize technology. So 2011, I, I left Bartlett and we uh, started bulkloads.com um, with another partner of mine, Matt Ferdine is his name. Um, he had actually had experience already with load boards. He had actually built a load board for livestock transport, had success with that. So he saw need for the bulk industry or grain industry. At the same time, I kind of had the same idea. So we kind of put our heads together and that's kind of what really um, brainstormed bulkloads.com. What was what was one of the or maybe the you know big challenges of getting that thing going as far as you know not just getting it out there in front of the people who needed to see it that could participate, but for you know getting people to adopt that technology and use it? Yeah. Well, we always use the 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 term or the coin term, you know, chicken and the egg. You know, you got it, you got basically three parties that you're that you're representing on the marketplace. You got your Shipping companies, that would be your grain companies, feed ingredient companies, fertilizer companies. We call those the shippers. We have the brokers, which some people kind of get terminology mixed up. When we, can, when we talk about brokers, we talk about uh, freight brokers, not grain brokers, but the freight brokers. So they're actually, you know, taking those loads from these shipping companies and then redistributing them out to the carriers. And then we have the carriers or the trucking companies. So you have those three parties. Well, getting it started, you know, perfect world, you want all of them at once. Well, you and all you and I both know the market is never even, you know, mm. supply and demand. You either got too many trucks or too many loads or back and forth. You know, so for us, it was always a timing thing. Hey, trying to execute and, and push and market this out to the right people at the right time. So if it's a harvest season, you know, you're going to be out there really soliciting marketing to shippers saying, hey, are you guys in a crunch capacity needs? You guys need more trucks? Use our service. You get more in the winter, maybe spring months where it's slower. Then you're out there to marketing the carrier saying, hey, you guys, are you all looking for loads? We can help you. So that's kind of where we had to kind of stair step this process up to actually build that marketplace. You know, I'll say this too, and being working at Bartlett Grain, I established so many valuable relationships with a lot of these truckers. And quite frankly, I, I really think that led to a lot of the success because a lot of these truckers, I just I had a passion for them, like I said in the early, to take care of them. You know, when they... When they called me and needed help or needed a load, I did everything I could to, to help them out or they helped me out. But I established these key relationships with these guys. So later down the road, when, when we had this and I was talking to the same guy saying, hey, I think I have this product or this service that can help. There was a lot of them. And there were some that, oh, no, I'm busy or I don't, yeah, whatever. But there was like, hey, man, I believe in you. And honestly, I get choked up when I say this. Like, I'm so thankful that they, they trusted me and believed in me to use the product and to where we are today. So, and, and it's, I mean, like you said, over a decade into it now. So you've obviously developed and grown and gotten plenty of, of buy-in and people using it. So geographically, how, how big of an area do you guys get to? 
Yeah. So obviously I tell people, you know, our meat and potatoes is the grain industry. So we're going to be in the grain belt, you know, from Minnesota to Texas, Colorado to Pennsylvania, New York, you know, that's, that, that's our main service area. But we also have a large presence behind that in kind of the Southeast area. A lot, mm-hmm. It's still a lot of crops down in that area. And from there we move up to the Northeast uh, United States. And from there we go out to the West coast. I'm just kind of tracking kind of our volume. And then we go up to Canada. We don't do anything yet. I should say in, in Mexico. Um, but yeah, Midwest is our, is our core focus. Um, then, then those other ones follow behind that. Now I have a question. And I always kind of wondered about this, you know, because I was still at the great elevator when, when bulk loads came on the scene. I, I remember when it first came out and I thought that was a pretty cool uh, idea to be able to get it. But from my standpoint, again, sitting at the elevator, the value I initially saw from it was trying to figure out what rates were for what yep. were going rates to different loads. So, you know, now sitting here thinking about it a little more, I got to think, you know, like you said, there's the three parties involved there, but I got to think that bulk loads itself has had a significant impact on what rates are around the country for different things. Just because, like you said, it's that centralized marketplace for it to come into, you know, I, I don't know how it looked prior to this. But I know since then, you know, it's the information's out there. I don't know that it was as transparent prior to prior to that. You know, I think every little region had their ideas, but you, you always kind of wondered, well, is this is this what I should be paying? Or should I expect more? Am I going to get shocked when the guy calls me, tells me what the rate is? You bring up a good point, Roger. And, and I, I think this would kind of segue into another big aspect of, of our success. And again, this is just practical business advice, anybody out there. But early on, we have companies that would get onboarded and, you know, they tell us all the time, Hey, Jared, we love the service. We love this, but Hey, I, is there a way I can figure out rates? Well, that was something, you know, within, you know, I would say three to four years, we developed a tool or product on bulk loads where merchandisers can see average rate lanes. What we did, we took data um, from the site and all anonymous data, but we started putting it together saying, Hey, you know, what is a lane on average from Kansas city to Springdale? or Katusa up to Omaha. And we start putting that together and then even putting those metrics where merchandise could get on there and they could see within seconds, hey, based on this history of this weighted average, you know, my, my average rate from here to here is this per bushel or per ton. Um, so that, yeah, and I think that was the other thing too. It's, it's allowed us and, and hopefully we can get into this, you know, some of these other product offerings. Cause that's why I think any business, if you're not out there listening to your customers and I take that very serious, like you're going to get, you're going to get swallowed up or somebody else is going to be listening to them more than you have. So I think that's for me. And I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, it's, it's probably why I don't have much hair on top of my head, but it's like really kind of beaten and trying to figure out how do we develop these solutions to make this industry better. And I, and when I say this, I say better for, all parties involved. You know, we we are strictly a third-party neutral platform. So we are pro shipping company, we're pro broker, we're pro carrier, and we take that very serious, uh, making sure that we provide neutrality to the whole marketplace. Yeah. So yeah. Well, let's go in. You, you you mentioned other product offerings, things like that you know. So we've established what the what the the genesis was. Where where are we at now? Yeah. So I'll kind of go into kind of three other branches and. One thing that we heard from a lot of merchandisers when we when we got the board going, they said, Jared, man, we love this tool. We are having success. We're getting carriers. But is there a way that we can manage our freight deck, all of our loads within and some of these companies with multiple offices into one platform? 
and basically not having it public out there for everyone. We start looking in and say, yeah, absolutely. And that's what, and I won't go into the details of it, but that's what brainstormed. We call it bulk TMS, which is basically an internal freight management system for uh, dispatching companies, shipping companies, brokerages. But what it allows any company, if you think about that, because when we, we refer to, we talk about the load life cycle. So, you know, you find a truck to haul a load. Well, there's a lot more other processes that still need to be involved from there. Well, what we've developed are tools that kind of really help manage every one of those elements. So everything from booking the load, sending the, the, the contract and details to the driver, getting them onboarded, the whole uh, dispatching and tracking piece, managing that driver, knowing where they're at, um, all the way to the settlement of it and then the payment. And that's one thing that, that we realize a lot of companies, they were still out there using clipboards or Excel spreadsheets. We developed it all into one framework. So, you know, for example, one office in Illinois, they can get on there and they can see what another office in Kansas City is doing and potentially even have synergies. They can match these trucks up. They can see what average freight rates are, what these other trucks are doing. So that's one thing that we are super excited at. I mean, we've got some statistics. I mean, we're saving some of these companies almost 15 to 20% in their freight costs. Because they're they're bringing these synergies together right. and managing that, you know, you know, fifteen twenty percent on twenty million, thirty million dollars in freight spend, that's a good chunk of change, you know. So that was one of the things that early on we really saw that there was, you know, a need out there, and we listened, and we didn't say, hey, sorry, we can't help. We said, hey, we can develop these solutions and manage that, and you know, we're super excited that we have that out there. Um, another one that we had, so that was on the shipper side. But at the same time, we had all these carriers that were getting onboarded and they said, man, Jared, we love the site. We're finding these loads, but hey, I'm hauling for XYZ company, man. They don't pay me for 35 days. You know, if I haul this load today, it's going to be whatever, you know, next month and then some to get paid. And again, you know this, and I'm just, if somebody tells you you're going to pay in 30 days, realistically, by the time it comes in the mail, it's going to be 35, 36 days. It's always a little bit more. Well, I started studying that being like, hey, how can we help these guys get their payments. Well, that's what brainstormed. It's another, it's a separate unit of ours, but it's called smart freight funding. We started that in 2014 with a couple other partners. And today, oh man, it's, I mean, it's unreal the amount that we run through there, but again, now that driver, and again, a lot of our carriers that make up bulk loads, they're all one to five truck operators. They're not big mega companies. These guys don't have the back end office support to manage, you know, all their freight bills, making sure when stuff's coming, getting paid, we do all that for them with smart freight funding. So there's a, you know, it's a, it's a factoring company by trade, but we kind of say we're kind of a back-end secretary or assistant for these drivers. And that's really the way they think of it. Um, these companies, when they get onboarded, they get assigned a person that, that helps them manage all their freight. They let them know when the load's getting paid um, and they develop these relationships. So that's another one that we're, we're proud to kind of figure out that need and solve for um, on the freight side, or excuse yeah. me, on the payment side of things. Yeah, and that's huge because I, I, I imagine every listener we have at an elevator somewhere knows this. You know, when it comes to dealing with, you know, drivers, you know, the paperwork is always. If there's a hangup, yep. it's always the paperwork. It, yep. it, it's inevitably who got tickets? Have they been turned in yet? Who's got them? Have we made copies? Have we updated settlement? Whatever it is, that that piece is so key. And like you said. A lot of these independent guys, they're one-man operations, or their their wife may be the paperwork handler, you know, at the end of the week and after her regular 40-hour week job. So this part is 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 immensely huge because it's not just the driver getting paid, it's the merchandiser trying to figure out if he's got 
stuff he's shipping out of the elevator to a feed mill and he's got direct ship stuff off the farm and trying to make sure he doesn't overfill a contract because you know no one would ever do that and all this other (laughs) stuff you know that you find out three weeks later and the market's moved you know all this stuff so anything that brings these these types of uh, inefficiencies to a head and helps with that i think that's that's super yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, Roger, because that was one thing within, you know, our system and it's an element of bulk MS and smart freight, but this whole digitization of, of documents is one thing that we've been working on for years. And I would say almost COVID kind of really pushed it over the ledge because a lot of these grain companies and shipping companies, I would say even three years ago, you had to have originals to get paid. That trucker had to send those originals in. They had to be at that office before they would cut a check or get that. Today, it's less than, I mean, on our end, we look at it, less than 1% companies require originals. There's still some of those out there, but what that's done for us, I mean, it is, um, I mean, it's moved our industry light speed. Now that trucker, when he hauls that load off the farm, cross country to some destination, he can, through our apps, actually take a picture of it. We have the technology, it onboards it all, sends it to all the parties that need that information. And within really minutes, that, that load can be settled paid to the trucker, uh, the, uh, the shipping company can invoice it off, which sometimes could have taken 20, 30 days. And that way, like you said, they can see actually real time balances that they have on shipments, which is awesome. So, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of our audience here, mostly merchandiser type folks, maybe they've never, I'm sure they've probably heard of bulk loads. Maybe they've never used it. How, how simple is it to get started? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How does that go? yeah, easy question. And for your listeners, a lot more elevators and grain merchandisers. It's really simple. You go to our website, bulkloads.com. You can create an account in less than, I would think, 10 seconds on there. Um, typically, within, you know, within 10, 15 minutes, we have a professional from our team that contacts them. It's super simple to use, but we walk them through to show them exactly, hey, okay. how do you get on there, post loads, search for trucks, um, and then even just learn about your company. Because, again, we know our product isn't for everybody and we want to make sure that the right people are getting on there. But really our, our bread and butter are those grain elevators. They got trucks that are moving stuff, you know, out and back, you know, either company trucks or, or lease trucks owner operators. I think, you know, a lot of, you know, we were just on the phone with a company yesterday, you know, they have a combination of everything. They got some of their own trucks. They got some drivers that are leased to them. They got independent owner operators that are dedicated to them. Our solution, it handles all of that and you can manage it all through our ecosystem. Okay. So I'll I'll say, I'll I'll say one more thing too. And just, you know, the last thing we're excited about this, this year, uh, again, listening to, especially our truckers, um, another pain point that they'd had over the years was insurance. And I'm sure you guys are, I mean, I, I, it's a pain point of mine even today. I'm not even in trucking. I mean, how many people do you talk to and be like, Hey, do you like insurance? Do you like your insurance agent? <laughs> but we saw that was one thing too. A lot of these guys um, in our mind were having trouble finding the right markets, the right companies. And quite frankly, I started looking and being like, man, a lot of these truckers that we cater to number one, they're farmers. They have impeccable driving records just because these guys were driving trucks at the age of probably 12 or 13 years old. I mean, these guys know how to operate equipment. A lot of them run in small pockets or areas. Well, we start looking at this saying, hey, there is a market here that we can really help give better and affordable pricing to from an insurance uh, uh, standpoint. So back in June, we brought a veteran in and we launched bulk insurance company. So again, 
totally sister separate company for bulk loads. But again, we're now kind of helping that driver not just manage his freight, but manage all these other costs that are involved. And we say, I mean, the way we look at this, again, some people are like, oh, you're just trying to make money, everything. It's not about making money off them, but like, how are we giving them a better experience through our platforms? And I'm hoping they're making more money. If they're making more money, we're going to be around. Mm-hmm. But we, we're trying to figure out, hey, how do we help improve their bottom line? Because if their bottom line gets improved, we don't have to worry about ourselves. Right, right. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, That's a cool development. I was listening to one of your uh, recent podcast episodes and you started off talking about that. That was uh, just, just earlier today. So that was pretty interesting to hear that that development you guys have, have so, gotten into. Uh, on the on the podcast note, you, you've been doing that quite a while, and you're actually consistent with it, which we're jealous of. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, you know, it doesn't take much to be more consistent than us. So, uh, but yeah, you you are. So, w- what's your um, for folks that haven't heard the podcast uh, out there? You know, what it? Why'd you start it, and what do you try to do with it? Yes, yeah, so we are on. Uh, we're actually ending our fourth year. Uh, being on the podcast. So we'll be soon five years in on recording it. We release one episode every week. The reason behind it, quite honestly, was a lot of these, a lot of our audience have, they spend a lot of time driving our truckers Mm -hmm. and we thought, Hey, what better way to provide them valuable content and information um, than through a podcast? We know that a lot of these guys, they spend a lot of time on the road and it's interesting over the years, you know, one of the most, I'll say this, you know what the, the criticism I get the most on our podcasts that I produce, these drivers tell me, Jared, you need to go longer. We want your <laughs> podcast to be longer. And, and like most of our podcasts, we try to stay within 30, you know, 25, 30 minutes. So I kind of yeah. figure that's that sweet spot. I mean, for me, like I kind of tune out after 20 minutes on any yes. kind of listening, but these drivers have said, Hey, we want you to talk. I mean, can you get on there and speak longer on some of these products and services? But for us, it was really about providing valuable content specifically in our industry, our industry being trucking or grain, feed, fertilizer, whether it's services, other products, updates uh, from um, you know, different um, mandates that might be out. Um, so it's really just provide that updated information out there. And it's been awesome. I think if you look at any mediums, I mean, we're, we're in the top five for trucking podcasts and it wasn't, it was never our goal to be like a top trucking podcast. But I think people like, love it because we're out there and I encourage anybody to listen. We're not out there trying to sell people on bulk loads. We're out there just giving them valuable content. And yeah, then if you want right. to use our service, use our services. Um, so it's, it's been really cool. I selfishly love doing the podcast now because and you guys might vouch for this you learn so much when you're interviewing people. I've learned so much. Right. I've learned more right. about, especially trucking and trucking regulations and fuel and tires and you name it, than I never knew before. <laughs> um, and, cool. and again, I think it's made me a more valuable person because of it. In our sure, industry. sure. So, so to that end, you know, in the audience being a lot of, you know, drivers out there. So now we'll kind of get into the, the second segment here of the, of the episode, but what, if any, if you've heard, you know, talking with the drivers or haven't talked to, what is something that you've heard drivers say that they might wish that the shippers, specifically grain elevators, grain companies knew that would make their job, you know, easier or better or whatever like that? What is something out there that you've heard them say, you know, man, if, if the elevator would just do this or knew this, this would, this would be a lot better for me? Well, that's a really good question, Roger. 
in if I could right now we're in some really uncharted times, I guess is the way to think it. You know, fuel is always a big problem in the industry. But one thing we hear all the time from carriers is like, man, there's got to be a better way to kind of plug the fuel prices in with the rates better. Most guys listening to this will know, you know, there's like when you make that trade, you're not putting a fuel surcharge in there. I mean, if, you, if you're doing it now, it's, it's, it's shocking to me. But a lot of times, hey, you're making that trade delivered to that facility. It's going to be, you know, a price. And then you're backing off your freight costs, mm-hmm. all in freight costs. I think if there was someone out there that could solve a way to actually plug in a, a, a freight cost matrix for these traders that could go back to the trucker, I think that would be extremely viable. Um, there's just so much uncertainty because, you know, I mean, even just when we're recording this this week, man, fuel's gone up, I think, 15, 20 cents. Well, you can do the math on a 200 mile haul, how much more that's costing the driver. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times then you get in this, you know, the driver's got to call the merchandise. Hey, fuel's gone up. Well, what do you need? I need a couple pennies here, whatever. If there was just an easy plug and play with that, I think that would alleviate a lot of problems, especially when you're dealing with rates um, yeah. to the trucker. Yeah, no, that's that's huge because when we get folks together and, and the topic of freight comes up, that's always, and, and ever there's no consistent standard out there some people change rates some people add surcharges i mean it's just kind of like whatever works you know there's nothing cross you know that that would be interesting you know with y'all's platform the information you see if there'd be some way to mine that data that just showed hey here's here's what tends to work better than others you know that because like you said there's the merchandiser made that sale six months ago based on whatever fuel was six months ago and here's now now we deliver it well, if it was this year, that's going to be vastly different, right? Well, yeah, I can remember back in my Bartlett days, you know, we, we merchandise would be like, hey, what's rates going to be at harvest? You know, they're, they're, this is like six months prior. Like, so in January, they're buying wheat. And I'm like, I think it's going to be this. But, you know, we get up to that time period. Not only demand goes up, but then fuel goes up. And I can remember, like, especially in that, it was like that 07, 08 timeframe and fuel, just like it is today, man, was going way up there. Mm-hmm. Well, man, our freight costs were just blown out of the water because of that. But if there was a way that the trades could be made where that, you know, where that fuel could be passed to that end user more efficiently, I think that would alleviate a lot of problems in the industry. Yeah, I guess, you know, it goes back to everything's negotiable till you sign the line. I guess that could apply to that as well. So it's... Uh... But that, yeah, that's a, that's a huge piece of it right there for sure. So in, in your experience, you know, uh, talking to truckers a lot and everything, a, apart from rates, what attracts and why do they prefer certain, say, grain elevators uh, over others? Or is there anything apart from rates? Or Yeah, I'll go back to what I said earlier on about uh, relationships. A lot of these trucks, especially hauling for elevators and the grain merchandisers can they're listening to this, they can vouch for that. And they have, I mean, awesome relationships with these drivers. A lot of the times, I mean, they know them just from the community. Some of these drivers are also farmers, so they're buying grain from them. But they, there's, there's this working relationship that, hey, I'm going to help you out when it's busy. The trucker's going to help the elevator out when it's busy. And when it's slow, the elevator's going to help the trucker out. And I think that's that's something that I see very keenly. You go, you talk to a lot of these elevators like, Hey, I got these guys. I mean, they're dedicated to me because I've taken care of them when they needed it. And they've taken care of me when I needed it. 
Well, it's so simple, but man, that's that's a, the honest truth right there. There's no true word spoken on that. Over your years, both in the grain business and and on the on the freight side, um, can you think of any instance or something happening or, or a bit of information that you found out or learned or experienced that just surprised you? Anything that's been just surprising to Jared Flynn over the last twenty years? That wasn't like a prep question you gave me, Roger. I wish I could have thought of that. Roger word. likes to spring no, stuff up. Yeah, was it? You know? Okay, maybe I, I glossed over that. There's a couple of things in, in the years I've been in this that, that has surprised me. I, I, I would have to lean a little bit on some of the government regulation and mandates. Um, I'm not here to knock government and, and mandates, but you really get to see uh, what the repercussion does you know, or the effects, I should say, not repercussion of it has in the industry. It was, you know, 2016, 17, they had the ELD mandates. Well, again, this is to make the industry safer, all that. Man, it had a lot of people, especially that were kind of towards the end of trucking, like just bail out. And I mean, so they, they wreaked havoc on our industry. We had all these companies bailing out, you know, they're not going to install ELD. Um, so that was something that just surprised me. I didn't realize that, I mean, that how much of an effect that alone would have, you know, on our industry. And, and I mean, there's just been some other things that, again, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with the government. I think these are, these are all steps to improve the industry, but it's, it's always surprised me how much of an effect you see that has, I guess, and here's the thing I'll say to a lot of people out there, you know, people will complain about the prices that they pay at the store but they never realize how much that really costs to get there. And some of these, and I'm all for safety and I'm all for that. But anytime you put these layers on there, that adds more and more costs, you know? And when you tell somebody, Hey, this, you know, this load costs $2,000 to move it 300 miles and they're sticker shocked. Like, what did you expect? This is, this, this stuff doesn't move for free, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, I think I'll say less than I've gotten less surprised, but I, I think more and more people are surprised that how much, how much freight costs and how that triggers to what you're paying for in, you know, in the stores. Right. Yeah. We, we say that quite a bit, you know, on the, on the freight costs, you know, especially in the grain business and especially in the heart of the, of grain cut in the Midwest, high volumes of grain. There's a lot of times there's more freight generated off that bushel of grain than margin to the elevator, you know? And yeah. I think that surprises a lot of people, you know, the people in the business are like, yeah, of course it is. You know, it's just the way it is. But to, to outside of it, like you said, the freight component is, is huge. Well, here's the deal too. I've been, you know, I'm getting on 20 years in this industry. There's a perception, you know, you, sometimes I hear and it just aggravates the crap out of me. You know, man, these truckers are making all the money. <laughs> you know, in the 20 years I've been here, I, I, I mean, I know thousands and thousands of trucking companies, like very few that I've met are living the wealthy lifestyle, you know, right, I mean, these right. guys, I mean, again, there's this perception that, you know, just because these rates are high, these trucks are making all this money. These guys, I mean, they're still hand and foot. I mean, that now that truck costs X more money, that fuel costs so much more, yeah. those drivers cost much more. And I think that's just a perception too, that. Um, it always even aggravated me sometimes and I'm not bashing grain merchandiser, but I've heard something, oh man, these trucks are paying too high or too much. I'm like, 
I, I don't see them doing, I mean, I don't see them out there, you know, with a lot of extra margin <laughs> per se, these guys aren't doing that. Well, I mean, they're still just getting by. And if you, um, so if you I don't think that's think a perception that's, a lot of people don't believe. Yeah. And if you don't think that's true, there's a uh, unnamed, some cross country traders out there that if you are a merchandiser and, and you sell to them fob, you're going to have some pretty interesting rigs show up at your elevator. And there's no way you can say they're living the high life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, that's, that's true. I've always had a passion for these guys that like, man, you know, I think there's some merchandisers out there that, because that brings up a good question, Roger. Back in the day, there were some of these merchandisers. I mean, their goal was to try to like almost, it was like a game to how cheap they could get stuff. Yeah. And I, I understand the model, like, you know, the better you get it moved, the more margin, more trades, mm -hmm. but the same effect, like, if that trucker's, I mean, if you're beating that guy down so much and he has no other choice, he hauls it just to make ends meet. And then now he's got a tire blowout or something transmission and he didn't, can't fix it. We didn't benefit anybody. And I sure didn't benefit him. I mean, I've always had this thing. Everybody's got to win in this cycle. The merchandiser's got to win. The trucker's got to win. The end user's got, I mean, we all have to work together on this and it can't be a zero sum. One person can't win. The other person lose. And I guess, yeah, I get, I get pretty fired up when I used to hear these guys talking about, Hey, how I can get something moved so cheap. I'm like, that really didn't value anybody right. but yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, on the grain side, we're always saying, you know, you know, farmers expect us to run the elevator for free, you know, and margins, the same, same applies to drivers. Like you said, every link of the chain, this applies to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've I've talked to several merchandisers, you know, they're they're willing to pay premiums for the guys they know that are good, that are reliable, consistent. consistent. And and especially if they're they're doing direct ship stuff, going to their customer's farm. I mean, you don't want just anybody out there, right? You want you want yes. the guy you know is gonna do the right thing, take care of your customer. So there's there's definitely I, I, we asked you if if uh, anything, you know, other than rates attracts uh truckers to merchandise but but the reverse of course is merchandisers are willing to pay a little bit more for the guys that that you know that do but like you said if they're just beating them up on rates all the time you're not going to get those types of you're not going to find those types of guys if you do you're they're not going to stay around you very long because you got to take care I would of say them. this we, we recently recorded this podcast talking about branding and again, it's a pride pretty broad. People don't, well, whatever, that's hokey business stuff. But like, you know, your brand as a trucking company or even Green Elevator, but like that's something that people see and when they hear your name or whatever. But we were, we had this podcast, this guy come on um, that teaches about branding, but he was talking about like companies remember like the color of the truck. They remember your logo. They remember the cleanliness of your rig. They remember the colors of your rig. And you as a merchandiser, when you're hiring that driver, they're a representation of you going out and yes, dealing yes. with that farmer. Because yes. again, that farmer is going to remember if this driver did something wrong. Ran over mama's like, flowers or ran over mama's flowers dog or, or whatever. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did something like that. Yeah, so man. again, that's another thing too, man. You want to hire good people, pay them well, because that's going to, I mean, multiply X amount when they're out there representing you at that farm loading. And a lot of times these farmers, you find the right people. They love those guys so much. They'll call you up and be like, Hey, this guy was awesome. Can yep. you bring him back out? Hey, I'll, yes. I'll sell you. I'll sell you another 20 lot. Just, yeah, just keep it coming. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's what you want to do, you know? Um, but find those guys 
Hey man, pay them a good wage. Yeah. Take care of them. Yeah. Take care of them. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's uh that exhausted our list. Jared, you got any, any final closing thoughts here as we, we wind it up? No, I'll just say this. It's uh man, I, I absolutely love this industry uh, to those out there, maybe just starting. I mean, I think your podcast, just like mine, there's a lot of people that are, getting new to the industry and maybe trying to learn more about the grain industry and, and trucking. And my just last final thoughts, you know, if you're out there and, and just starting to learn about it, man, really learn about trucking and freight. Again, like I said, in the very beginning, the grain industry and elevators, you're more of a logistics company that's moving grain versus a grain trading company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the logistics is what really matters. And again, it all starts from the truck. Awesome. Great. Well, Jared, thanks so much for coming on and, and uh, sharing your experience and insights with us. We really appreciate it. I know the audience is going to get a lot out of it as well. Yeah, it's good stuff. And yeah, be sure to check out the bulklows.com if you haven't and, and check out the podcast. See, you know, browse through there. He's got tons of offerings uh weekly weekly podcast for years now so um so anything interests you or or you know turn your truckers on to it and stuff uh definitely check it out good stuff as always thanks for downloading and listening and if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast and share it with folks you know in the business and if you'd like to reach out anytime about anything at all or have any show ideas you can always find us on twitter at elevators cut Follow us there, tweet at us, DM us, and we'll always respond. Till next time, for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Oh!